Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What? Today I've got Robert Pellon. He's the founder and CEO of Minviro. Hi, Robert. Daniel. How are we today? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Good, good. Um, Robert, should we jump straight in? Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so um, I'm founder and CEO of a company called Minviro. Um, what we do is we we help companies in the mining and metal space, as well as battery manufacturers and recyclers, measure the environmental impact of their products and processes and also help them minimize that impact. I mean, this is a really interesting industry in itself, you know, sustainability and things like that. This is an absolute buzzword at the moment, I think, for a lot of a lot of companies. Um, when did you first sort of get into this and, and how did you get into it? Yeah, so um, my background's really in the earth science space. So I did, I studied geology as an undergraduate degree, um, seems like a long time ago now. And then following that um, was a, a assistant editor, journalist for International Mining, a mining magazine. And it was during that time where I was sort of traveling around, seeing how technology was applied at mine sites. Um, and I was particularly interested in, you know, you have that dichotomy of, mining which can be quite you know environmentally damaging um but there was a lot of people that i spoke to that were lo looking to try and improve the sustainability of of mining and mineral processing and so i, I suppose the idea um of, of having a career in that space first first started there um and then an opportunity actually came up um shortly after well it was three years into being um assistant editor um where i had the opportunity to carry out a phd on the topic of responsible sourcing of rare earths. So um, metals that are key to the low carbon transition, uh, they're used for permanent magnets and, and found in motors of electric cars and stuff like that. Wow, uh, a PhD, that's not a, a light undertaking. How did you find it? <laughs> yes, uh, it's definitely not a light undertaking. Um, I really enjoyed my PhD. Um, I know some people uh, find it more challenging, but I really appreciate it. I, I, I was lucky enough to have supervisors who were the right balance of, of giving me enough space to sort of let my own ideas evolve and generate, uh, but also sort of keeping me in, in online in terms of delivering what I needed to do to get the, to get the PhD. So um, I had Professor Francis Wall, who was one of my supervisors, um, uh, really on the geology side and the critical materials side. And I had um, uh, Dr. Zhao Yu Yan, who was also a supervisor um, and it was really nice it was cross-disciplinary so it was across earth like geology and environmental science uh, which i really enjoyed uh, and i also had the opportunity to um, i spent two years down in cornwall at campbell school of mines university of exeter and i had almost a year um, out in china uh, in beijing at Tsinghua university so i really enjoyed that sort of international aspect to it as well um, but yeah definitely not not an easy easy thing to do a phd but it's also mm. very rewarding I think you know geology uh, as a broader subject doesn't tend to get a lot of um, there's not many career stalls shall we say um, when you talk about geology and, and and the sciences you're involved with but for anyone listening to this what kind of careers can they go into if they kind of study that that area especially thinking about you know the growth of sustainability practices and and sort of consultancies and every every company really around the world is looking at the sustainability is there is there more more options to go into now with this kind of background? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's quite it's quite an interesting time. So, earth science, mining, and metals those degrees are, tend to be declining. Um, 
you know, part of, uh, you know, Campbell School of Mines, for example, is the last sort of institution in the UK that's really offering these practical sort of mining and metal degrees. And we're living in a time when we're going to need more and more of these raw materials for this low carbon transition. So, um, you know, there's if people go into these career paths, there's, there's so many opportunities. Um, and as you said, it can it can if you're, you know, somebody like me who really cares about sort of the environmental sustainability and the sustainability aspects of these sectors, there's so much opportunity and there's so much impact that you can have. If you, you know, if you go into improving, say, the efficiency of processing a particular material by 5%, over the next few decades, that material might, you know, increase in demand by tens, if not twenties, um, in orders of magnitude. And so you can really have a significant, it's one of the, the biggest opportunities to make a significant impact on, on, on the environment, um, I think. And yeah, I think it's really rewarding as well. There's really a, a broad range of sort of areas that you can go into. Um, it's not maybe the, I think people think about maybe the oil and gas industry initially, if you talk about geology and earth science, but it's much more broad than that. You know, it covers aspects of sustainability, you know, things like critical materials. Um, and this type of information and knowledge is, is being is really important, not just for the, the mining and metals companies, but the more, I suppose, popular known downstream companies who are producing sort of the electric vehicles and the mobile phones. All of those companies need to understand where they're going to get the raw materials for their for their products for the future as well. Let's go into a bit more detail about what actually goes on within the field. So have you got some examples of maybe two or three careers or career paths you could go down within these kind of industries? Yeah, of course. So I'll, I'll uh, start with one being biased for the, for the sector that we work in. So being able to be a life cycle assessment or sustainability specialist. Um, so a lot of the people in the Enviro team, they come from earth science backgrounds um, and they use their skills that they've, they've developed during their, their undergraduates or master's degrees about earth science or, or engineering um, and apply that to, you know, measuring sustainability of, you know, mining projects or measuring the sustainability of battery manufacturers or measuring the sustainability of recycling projects. So that's one area. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that's a lot of people really care about that stuff. And I think it can be really rewarding that area. Um, the other side, maybe a bit more traditional is, um, you know, it's so broad, but you can you can be an exploration geologist is another another example. And I think a lot of people find exploration geology um, one of the most exciting jobs you could have. I mean, you're traveling the world, sometimes sleeping in tents, you know, in, in the middle of you know, very remote regions and um, carry out carrying out exploration to maybe, you know, potentially find the new deposit that will that will feed the electric cars or wind turbines for the next next generations. Wow. I mean, that, I think the second one appeals to me quite a lot. That sounds um, sounds like quite an adventure. Um, when people are thinking about getting into this, I think a degree is is probably required. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I think um, although times are changing and there's, you know, there's you can get a lot of information from many different sources. Yeah, generally a, a degree would be required, um, to, whether that's in geology or maybe uh, physical geography um, or more more applied degrees such as um, sort of maybe economic geology or, or mining, uh, mining engineering. Mm. And let's focus in on, on what you're doing at the moment. Um, what kind of personality traits do you see in yourself that have helped you to succeed in this industry so far hmm, that's a good question um 
so i think persistence is is the number one um uh, persistence and resilience so i think it, you you have to uh, especially if you're starting a new business you have to um you know take the wins with the losses and accept that um you know on that upward path uh, you're going to have a few downturns as well um so i'd say that's a really important trait and we try and you know share that across our team and i share that with you know young professionals coming through um it's especially important for the mining and metal sector because you have very um clear ups and downs in the market you know so um you being resilient for those changes which might be out of your control is really important uh i think in being inquisitive is is really important maybe not trusting um this you know what the status quo is of how things are done the sector where we work is quite is quite a new sort of uh, approach to quantifying you know environmental impacts and sustainability it's it's accelerating pretty rapidly but um it's not how things were done say 10 20 years ago and i really enjoy doing things differently i really enjoy sort of like maybe you know pushing pushing the dial forward in, in how we do things using technology where we can um to improve efficiencies so i'd say those are the two major things maybe maybe one um one last thing is collaboration that's uh you know when you're starting a new company you 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 have to collaborate to succeed um there's a lot of you know big companies out there they can seem scary when you're a small company uh, and the only way that you can compete is sometimes collaborating with other peers and um you know solving solving some of the biggest problems together perfect and I, i'm really interested in how you quantify um the sort of environmental impacts of certain companies in my, in my day-to-day role um i'm ceo of um of stability um which is a uh, like a, a carbon involved with the the carbon credit world um and our clients have definitely always ask us you know how can we quantify our our environmental impact i'm really interested to find out from you like how you guys do that in the mining sector because this is going to be applied to pretty much every every sector in the business world i think but how do you guys go about it in your sector yeah it's a good question so so we use a life cycle assessment approach um and so what that entails is it, we're collating you know all the material and energy inputs for a process or for the production of a product so if we think of an example let's, let's think of a key material for the low carbon transition is a material like lithium so lithium goes into lithium ion batteries so what we would do is if we're looking at a mine site we would look at all the materials going into that that mining activity so obviously you might be using a truck so that truck might need diesel so you're you're, you're accounting for that you're looking at things like explosives maybe some fresh water consumption uh, maybe electricity you're also taking into account all those outputs so emissions into the biosphere so this can be atmospheric emissions emissions into waterways or or emissions onto land so you can imagine maybe there's like waste rock or maybe there's carbon dioxide emissions or emissions out of the exhaust of that truck so you're capturing all that data um, and and then you're translating that data into a range or a suite of environmental impact categories and some of these environmental impact categories will be familiar. So things like climate change, everybody knows climate change. So you'll have a score uh, for the climate change impact category to produce, say, one kilogram of lithium um, 
you know concentrate or spodumene or um, whatever material you're you're looking at. Uh, so you might have an impact like 15 kilograms of CO2 per kilogram of product. But you also have a broad range of other impact categories as well. So things like land use change, water related impacts, um, things like human toxicity, acidification. And this is really important. So the, the life cycle assessment approach um, is holistic in nature. So you're, you're trying to make sure that you're not just optimizing for one impact category and having negative consequences in other impact categories. And, and this is really important when we're looking at the sort of the full value chain of this low carbon transition, because at a systems level, we're optimizing for climate change, which is really important because we're in a bit of a tough spot in terms of our, uh, you know, if we look at the Paris Agreement and, and look at what we've got to achieve to, to reach um, our target of 1.5 degrees warming. But it's important that we consider these other impact categories as well. Like if we have a lot of mines that are going to feed the materials for this low carbon transition, we're obviously going to have a land transformation impact. We might have other impacts in, in other impact categories as well, like water related impacts. There might be impacts in other areas altogether, like social related impacts, which we're very likely to see over the next few decades. Um, and so the life cycle assessment approach tries to capture all this type of data. And you obviously do this right across the value chain for all the different materials, all the different intermediate processes, all the technologies, and until you get to like, um, yeah, holistic view of, of what the impact of different technologies is. That's really interesting. It's a lot more in-depth than I first thought it was. I thought it was very much focused on, on climate change, but all the other factors, because I guess if you focus on like climate change, for example, you could just push your effects onto a different category without thinking about it but what you're doing is having a holistic approach to every possible you know outcome of of your actions which is really interesting yeah absolutely and and you can even it's, it's basically the life cycle assessment approach is trying to avoid shifting burdens is the way they phrase it and and that can be done you know from one impact category to another but it can also be uh from one geographic uh, region to another so if you imagine um I'll give you an example. Imagine if the UK economy, we we said, okay, we're not we're not going to combust any oil or gas in the UK anymore. We're only going to use batteries and electricity generated from maybe like wind wind turbines. Now we wouldn't have any direct emissions. There would be no sort of climate change um, impacts during the use phase of that stuff in the UK. But that's not to say. That there would be no impacts the impacts would be geographically elsewhere where those materials have been mined where those refineries where those processing plants are and so life cycle assessment allows you to sort of peek peek into those supply chains and understand exactly where those, where those impacts are and give a fair sort of full life cycle assessment view of impact very very cool um what has been the biggest positive for you so far in your career, whether it's something you're an achievement you're proud of or your day to day you enjoy? What's been the biggest positive? I think it's um, it's growing the team at Minviro. I, I you know it's there's so many uh, it's it's such a, a privilege to sort of bring really talented people into the team and and see see them grow and and flourish and develop skills and. Um, I think one of the, the truisms that um, I think many people quote, especially entrepreneurs, is, you know, you want to hire somebody that's better than you. Um, mm. And it's it's so true. I mean, once once the company grows, you know, you're you know, it's not so bad if you're you're hiring people that are better than you for the first five hires. But, you know, if you've got 30 people that are better than you, uh, <laughs> you start, it starts to feel a bit degrading. But but it is a real <laughs> privilege to to like, um, yeah, see see the team flourish and grow and, and as a company as well, like 
develop those, that, that culture, that vision and the mission that everybody's aligned to. And on the flip side of that, what's been the biggest challenge so far? That's a good question. It's um, there's a future. I mean, there's there's, there's new challenges every day, and I think I think prioritizing. You know, it's, it's really difficult. You know, there's so many. You know, if you're in a young, growing business, there's, there's so many opportunities. There's so many areas you want to you want to expand into, and and it's keeping focus, which is a real challenge. I think another challenge as well is is sort of the natural growing pains of a business. So. You know the way that a business runs at, with when you've got five people or six people is, is very different to when you get to like 30 people it's a completely different beast and you know there's different structures and different uh ways of, of communicating and everyone mm. yeah everyone's going to pull in the same direction and i think that's been really challenging um and I, you know one of the biggest i mean one of the biggest sort of uh positives i think is is um bringing experienced people in, into our team that's helped with that journey. So bringing mm. in a head of people in, in Nicola um, and also a COO in, in, in John has really helped us go through that, that phase. Yeah, you need those people that enjoy the workflows, the processes, the sort of the, the nitty gritty stuff that that helps companies to grow once they've once they've got to a certain size. Because like you say, between five and 30 people, it's a completely different ballgame, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, um, it's bringing the experience as well. So our team is quite you know young and dynamic and um you know lots of enthusiasm but uh you need you need some people that have been there done it made made the mistakes before so they don't have to repeat them here which i think is is really valuable for us mm. um so take me through the day of maybe one of your consultants at mimbaro um a client facing role that's maybe looking at the the cycle we discussed earlier what kind of tasks are they doing what things are they doing on a on a daily basis yeah, so uh, our consultants, we we try and um, ensure that you know everybody in our team has a pretty diverse and interesting type of work. So you're you're not just doing one task. We we like to have our consultants um, sort of going through the whole journey with the customer. Um, so you know it, it can even start with engaging with new customers finding finding people that need these lca services it might be people going to conferences that there's a lot of opportunity for travel um, in our team um and then there may be say if we've got a live project going on there may be a conversation with with some of the sustainability professional professionals in a mining company or in a battery manufacturing company or in an oem um and then they might be you know working out exactly what their needs are in terms of what they want to measure the impact of do they want support in creating these impact reduction roadmaps about how they can reduce the impact of their products um there's typically a fair bit of sort of modeling involved so you know you need to be pretty numerate to be able to do life cycle assessment it's it's quite uh quite data intensive um you've got to be familiar with a lot of the sort of i suppose gcse a level mathematics uh type work where you're sort of looking at a lot of data looking at analyzing it in different ways um and then there's a big part of it and and it's really important to be able to, for the for the consultants to be able to communicate really well so you know presenting presenting findings explaining why findings are what they are um and communicating with different types of stakeholders whether that's directly with the customers or um maybe communicating to investors on the customer's behalf or or to different other other, other stakeholders that might be involved there's also loads of opportunities for consultants to get involved um, into, we have quite a big R&D team here. So getting involved into some of our R&D projects. 
so that's kind of if you've got you know more cutting edge maybe uh, innovative approaches to to um to measuring and mitigating environmental impacts and it might there's also um opportunities to sort of work with the the marketing team so writing white papers or writing blog articles um yeah or working with a technical team to to help develop our technology products so it's quite it's quite ranging um mm. but uh but that's what we want to encourage because we don't want we don't want our um and one one last thing is typically sort of a learning session so we really encourage learning across across departments and and across the team so yeah it's quite wide ranging and we really want to encourage sort of like a an interesting rewarding um work day yeah i know it sounds great and this is now a new question so our audience have asked us if we can start asking this question now don't feel uh pressured about this question because it is incredibly new to the the whole world well it's it's gone on the hype train but have you considered the impacts of AI on your profession and what they could do for people's jobs? Um, what kind of task it would possibly remove? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I'd say most business owners would have asked themselves this question. Um, yeah, with with OpenAI and ChatGPT, it's um, and the and the rate of of like innovation and evolution of this technology is it's scary. It's, isn't uh, it? it's scary, and it's so hard to predict where you know. Yeah. Where it's going to be in five years but um i don't know the the analogy that i i like to use is it's it's akin to like the printing press invention where all these technology innovations they don't they don't put people out of jobs they they become tools to improve what what you're doing and so uh, i think that you know there there will need to be changes in the way things that are done but i don't think it's going to solve all the all the all the challenges to quantify environmental impacts there's still going to be a requirement for uh yeah humans to be involved in that process hopefully it'll improve the quality of it and it'll, it'll accelerate our our decarbonization and impact reduction globally so, because it'll be a tool that will help us on that journey um but yeah I, I don't think i can i mean we use a bit of ai in, in some of our technology tools as well um so connecting data points to our databases and um, you know, looking at exploring how we can sort of integrate intelligent sort of um, impact reduction using using AI. Um, but yeah, if I was, if I, I don't think I can say, um, you know, what what the what the sector is going to look like in five years with in relation to AI. Mm. There was a really interesting article I read uh, earlier this week um, talking about how AI could essentially make competition between companies doing the same thing a lot harder, and it would actually mean that it's more relationship based than it is now. So for example, your company could do a life cycle assessment and another company could do a life cycle assessment. And you may come to, if humans were doing it, there may be, you know, slight errors in one companies or slight changes in ones, but AI is going to level the playing field to mean that it's going to be a lot more relationship based with your clients. What do you think to that kind of approach? That's really interesting. Interesting article. Um, yeah, I think I mean I can definitely see that relationships are are really important. I mean, it's what what makes us human is is relationships, and again, that's why we really want to encourage our team to um, to have those connections. So they're not just delivering work, but they are engaging with the club with the client, speaking with them, you know, having having that relationship, meeting them if they go to conferences, and um, I think that's I think relationships are really really important, and uh, it's really it's part of the 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 offering. Um, and you know, if 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 the world is more relationship based, and um, 
it levels the playing field. I think leveling the playing field is always, always a it's a good opportunity for uh, you know other, some other businesses to to grow and succeed as well. Perfect. And to round up, would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's been a real privilege to be part of the two sort of sectors that are growing at the same time. One being the critical materials um, or raw materials for the low carbon transition, and and secondly, the sort of the sustainability reporting and impact reduction sector. It's it's really rewarding section to be in. And um, yeah, I wake up every day and feel feel like I'm making a really positive impact. So yeah, definitely wouldn't change the sector that I've gone into. Amazing. Well, Robert, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for taking the time. And where can people find you and your company? Yeah, thanks for having me, Daniel. That's great. Um, so yeah, our website is www.minviro.com. Um, and you can find us on LinkedIn. You can you can message me directly on on the website if you like. So yeah, feel free to reach out.